Chiefs Kingdom, welcome in. Uh, uh, a crazy episode upcoming. Uh, I don't know what to do with my hands kind of episode because we have the draft. It is here. It is draft week. It is the AP Draft Room podcast. We have been joining you uh, in your podcast channel each Monday for the last, what, two, three months? Uh, you know, breaking down anything, everything draft. Uh, before the combine, we were doing position rankings. Uh, you know, we were we were doing all things offseason draft. And it has all come to this point, and it is a weird feeling. Uh, I am your lead analyst at arrowheadpride.com, Ron Cop Jr. With me today, uh, for the final time before we know what our favorite team is going to do with their draft picks uh, in, in your in your podcast channel, at least. That's Talon Graff and Brian Stewart. Talon, I'll start with you, man. We're here. It's draft week. Uh, what, what are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? I'm actually nervous for the first time. It's yeah. It's like it just, you know. It's, it's the final curtain, right? Like, here we go. Curtain's up. We're, uh, we're going on. Like, <laughs> so um, it's, it, I don't know. It's just, it all boils down to this, man. All of our, you know, uh, the prep we've done, we'll see if it comes to fruition. We'll see how we feel about, you know, on Thursday. I know Friday, Saturday are kind of, you know, come as you are, but um, Thursday night, man, I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's, it's biggest draft for, for the Chiefs in a while. It absolutely is. Brian, is it, are you feeling the nerves of the biggest draft for the chiefs in a while? Uh, you know, your first year at AP covering the draft. Right. That first thing you said made me think we're kind of the, uh, the living version of the Michael Scott. Oh my God, it's happening. Meme. You know, he, he's shuffling people through the office. Uh, Yes. But no, it's it's cool and it is a little bit. Um, I, I feel what Talon's saying. You're a little bit nervous because for the first time, publicly putting our opinions out about these players verbally and written on the website and kind of you know having to stand on that that can be a a scary thing in a way because of course you don't want to be wrong and and there are going to be times when you are. Uh, it's just part of it. But I, I think that's a fun a fun part of what we do. And one of my favorite things about the NFL in general is having that chance to, you know, let your eyes develop a a story and and tell that story the way you see it. And then that's what we're trying to do with these players. And I kind of, you know, encourage fans who are listening, you know, if you have Twitter and and you want to interact with us and develop your own opinions, you know, we can fire back and forth about that because that's what, you know, makes this whole gig really, really cool. And, uh, And so Thursday can't come soon enough. Yeah, I, Brian, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't think you're going to have to worry about people firing back at you for you know, on Twitter uh, in terms of on draft day. Because I'm sure, you know, no matter what happens on draft weekend, everyone's going to have different opinions. And as you mentioned, that is the beauty of draft weekend, of this process, as we all have different opinions, you know, just us three. And, and we're going to get into that today, which is the fun part of this show. You know, it all comes to a head right here. And so we're going to try to cover everything. And I thought the best way to do that was to kind of have, you know, a little bit of a, not an award show, but, you know, a superlative show. You know, you have the, at the the high school yearbook, at the end of it, you have the, the most likely to succeed, the most, you know, the best whatever, you know, best hair, that kind of thing. That's what we're going to do today, the, the, the draft superlatives. We're going to just kind of look at, you know, the most likely to do the, the, you know, one thing or another with each prospect. And we're all going to have opinions, and we're just going to try to, you know, we're probably going to hit on, as, as you know, a lot of names today, folks. And it's going to be a fun show, so. Get ready for that. And then at the end, as you, as uh, last week, if you remember, uh, we drafted players uh, in a three-round little draft between us that we thought maybe the Chiefs could draft in the first round, try to see which one of us got the right pick. 
if any of us do, I mean, obviously, no guarantee knowing the Chiefs are going to get someone we have not talked about once on this podcast, um, which I hope is not the case. But yeah, so we'll be drafting second round options at the end of the show today. But fellas, let's just get into this. Let's 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 get going. Let's talk prospects. I think it's an appropriate one to start off here. Pretty simple. The most exciting draft pick. Obviously, first round, we're going to talk here, whether, you know, whether it means they're going to trade up for somebody, whether it means they're going to stay there and grab them. Who is the one pick that would excite you the most? Brian, I'll start with you. It's Jameis and Williams. Um, this is all about the flash here. Okay. We've talked about him. We, I wrote an article about Jameson. Uh, he plays wide receiver, fastest receiver in the whole draft class. You know, he would step into this offense and, and before he even got on the field, we'd be imagining him catching deep balls from Patrick Mahomes or, um, you know, taking those little shuffle passes or, or jet sweeps and, and rounding the corner for 40 yard touchdowns. I mean, that way it would be exciting. And I think fans would start to see, Oh, you know, Tyree kills gone, but it's going to be just fine because we just got this, this young stud who can do not all the things that the way Tyreek does, but you know, yeah. he can house touchdowns every single week in the NFL. So that, that's my pick Jamison Williams for most exciting. Yeah, and and as so going back to the Twitter thing, you know, and I don't think anyone's going to be arguing with you about that one. Um, you will be a, there will be fans of that one there. Jamison Williams, definitely one of the most exciting options for the Chiefs. Probably have to trade up. Obviously, we'll see how that goes. You never know. Um, I would say Penn State edge rusher Arnold Ibiketti. I mean, he may even not even be one they have to pick in the first round. Um, you know, he he could be a, a, an early second round pick or even closer to the middle of the second round, depending on how the NFL values him. But Man, he flies off the edge, and I just think if the Chiefs do pick that, it means they're really wanting to, no matter what the circumstance is, they want to just get after the quarterback, and I think that's a good prior, a priority to have. So I like Ibiketti as an exciting pick. Talon, who is your exciting pick, the most exciting you can think of? Yeah, I'm going Daxton Hill. Um, versatility, we've talked about it, but he plays safety. He can play inside corner. You probably even play outside corner if you really needed him to. Um, he just a really versatile all around defensive back. And I love his physicality in all facets. He's a, he's a great run stuffer. Uh, he's, he's really physical around the line of scrimmage. He can cover tight ends. He can cover running backs um, and he can cover bigger body receivers. So um, yeah, man, I would love Daxon Hill. If the chiefs were able to bring him in and, and add him to that secondary, I think they just, they instantly got their defense better. Okay. So most exciting picks we just got went over. What about the most boring picks? The complete opposite. Someone that if they the Chiefs did pick him, you're just like, uh, okay, like it's kind of you know may not even be a bad pick, right? Just the fact that it'd be boring. Um, Talon, I'll go right back to you. Who is your boring pick here? Uh, I want George Karloftis. I mean, and nothing against yeah. him. He's he's a good player, um, but I just think he's he's a really safe player. He's a safe pick. I think when you get him, you know what you're getting, and he might get a little bit better. Um, but you know, I, I think. And day one, you, you know what to expect. You're not going to be surprised by anything. And, and he's going to be a worker. He's going to, he's got a good work ethic and stuff. So it would be a bad pick, but to me, it's just like, okay, it's underwhelming. It's not, it's not the sexiest pick in the world, but Hey, it, it's, it's solid. Yeah. I generally agree on that one. Carl Loftus was kind of on my short list for this one, but uh, not trying to pick on Bernard Raymond here, um, an offensive tackle prospect. Uh, but it's more so about the position, and he just happens to fit and and where I think he might get picked at the end of the first round, early second round. Um, just him playing tackle, I don't even think it's a wrong decision, um, albeit unlikely, but he also has some developing to do, and I, with all the other needs the Chiefs have, 
Um, I think it would be underwhelming to see them go in that direction, but it is possible given the right tackle situation and what might be kind of shaky right now. Yeah, Raymond, I, I like Raymond. I, I think he's actually, I have him rated higher than than Penning, Trevor Penning, the Northern Iowa offensive tackle. I, I, I think I think he could be a, a solid starting offensive tackle in the league. Definitely someone that you feel good about at right tackle, in my opinion. But yeah, you're right. Just kind of a boring pick. He's he's not Penning, where Penning's kind of more of an exciting pick because of the, the highlight plays it kind of puts on with the extracurricular stuff. But I like that one. And then, yeah. This is kind of in the same vein where, like, I like Travis Jones, a UConn defensive tackle, as a player for sure. And and actually, you know, he'd, he'd be a great player on the line. But, you know, if he is the first-round pick, if, if that is the case, which we have seen in some mock drafts, uh, Peter Schrager, one notable one, it's just, you know, they have the defensive tackle position, you know, pretty solid right now. They really need someone to fly off the edge. And, you know, Travis Jones just isn't going to do that. And, and I would just like them to address defensive line on the edge position. So, boring you know boring might not be the right word you know who knows but either way it would just kind of be a meh pick in the first round even though he is a really good player so now we're going to go to who do we predict will be the biggest steal of the draft which i I think it couldn't even this doesn't have to be chiefs wise obviously right it's just a player that we think is gonna you know go later than they probably should and, and outperform their draft stock brian let me throw it back to you uh who is your biggest steal do you think for me, it's John Mechie, the other Alabama receiver who is recovering from a torn ACL like Jamison Williams. Um, I just it, It's kind of a, a decent wide receiver class. We've exhausted that that point through the last couple of months. Right. And so it's easy for him to already kind of get swept behind with, with all this speed and talent in the class. But add on the fact that he's got this injury. And, you know, he just isn't really someone that gets talked about very much, but he's a very, very productive receiver at the SEC level uh, in that conference. And um, I think, you know, with the right team, the right quarterback, he could become a high end number two wideout, um, maybe even low end number one, uh, who, who's going to be able to run really good routes and, and use his hands to be uh, a top notch weapon for whatever team takes him and the Chiefs they could afford him some time to, to ease into his role um, right. w- with, you know, the guys that are already there who can kind of take some of the pressure off. So John Mechie, I think is going to be a steal for whoever does end up taking him. Yeah. Cause it does seem like he'll probably go, you know, third round, maybe, uh, you know, bottom second uh, probably, but even bottom second, mm-hmm. I feel like would be a steal. Um, it, it, yeah. So I, I, I agree with that one. Sam Williams, the old Miss edge rusher is my biggest steal in my opinion. You know, I'm I'm a lot higher on him than the consensus. I, I have him as one of the top edge rushers of the entire class, um, up there in the same tier as a Karloftis, as as Ebiketti. Um, I just I, I you know I, I I think he's a very similar player to Jermaine Johnson, and jo- Johnson's going top twelve, top fifteen. Just a really solid player that that has enough juice to to be more than just a solid player, right? And so that's why I don't you know quite understand why there's such a difference and and why he is so projected to go close to the middle rounds, but. You know, that's why, you know, that's why we love the draft, right? Differing opinions. So he is going to be my steal. I hope the Chiefs do, are the ones that, that make that steal for sure. Talon, who is your biggest steal of the draft? Yeah, um, I'm high on both those guys. But, yeah, uh, I went with Perry on Winfrey, the free tech from Oklahoma. Okay. Um, I like him. I, I like. I think he's a round one talent, but I think he's a guy that could go round two. And if he does start to tumble down, you know, I, you know Travis Jones, Devontae Wyatt has had some character issues, so um, you never know where he's going to go. So I think, you know, I think Winfrey might be, you know, higher on some boards, but for me, he's going to be a steal because this is a guy that's going to come in day one, compete for starting time, and if he doesn't get landed starting role, he's going to be in the rotation early. Um, 
you know, he, he, he's a, he's a good pass rusher from the interior. He's not, you know, too heavy to where he can't move. He doesn't have the greatest lateral quickness, but he can penetrate. Uh, and, and he's a, just, he's a great, um, great guy to have on your team in terms of you want to get action along the defensive line. He's going to give you that. So uh, for me, I think someone's going to get a gym in him. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, you know, you see him sometimes, I think at some point in the process, there was starting to be uh, talk of him maybe at the bottom of the first, which might be a little rich for him, but when you're talking bottom of the second, potentially, you know, maybe the chiefs taking him at 62 potentially. Yeah. I, I see how that explosion at that size could be a little bit of a steal there. But right back to you, Talon, I want to hear your biggest reach of the draft, the opposite of steel. Who is going to be overdrafted, do you think? Yeah, so for me, I think Tariq Woolen is probably really high on somebody's list, uh, given the speed, the size, and just how yeah. coveted the cornerback position is in the league now. I think someone probably – I wouldn't be surprised to see him go round one. I think somebody's probably going to pull that trigger. Um I don't know who, but I just think there's always a guy, usually one or two, that you go in the round one, you, you think, oh, that's pretty rich for him. But I think Woolen's going to be that guy. I think he's going to go really early. And to me, that's a reach because I don't think he's going to be a true NFL contributor, possibly end of year two. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I, I think I think you're right. I think just because of his length and speed profile, I mean, someone's going to draft him you know, earlier than his play suggests he probably should be. So. Brian, I want to hear yours, though. Who's the biggest reach, do you think, in this draft? I actually have Jordan Davis, the monster uh, D-tackle from Georgia. Yeah. Which is more so – so, like, if he doesn't let, – let's say his worst-case scenario, his floor, if that hits and a team takes him in the 10 to 15 range, which is kind of what I think people are expecting, maybe closer to 20, um, that's going to be a bad deal. If he cannot control his weight better than he did even – last year at Georgia, you're going to be stuck with a two down player um, that you took in the top 15 picks of the draft. And and you can find those guys, you know, in the third round, fourth round, um, if that's what you're going to get. Now on the flip side of that, if he hits a ceiling, he could be like somebody we've never seen before um, and just dominate at all times, but he's got to, he's got to control his body composition um, and if he doesn't, he's just not going to be in shape to be that dude that I think some teams are going to expect him to be. I think that's fair for sure. No, I, I think, uh, you know, he's a very polarizing prospect and it, it does take the right team with that kind of player. I feel like the right program uh, or the right franchise, I should say, to get him in there. I've talked about Penning already. He's my reach. I, I just think he, you know, he's a, a guy that's just going to get overdrafted for what he is. He might have to be a guard at the NFL level, um, but I still think he's going to be a solid player. Just where he's going to get drafted closer, maybe the top 10 to top 15. I just don't see that. But now we're going to go to best fit, which obviously, I, you know, I asked you guys to do a few positions. I'm actually just going to ask you one particular fit of yours that you threw out here because there's some interesting ones you both did. And Brian, I want to hear your, um, your opinion on the fit you threw out at cornerback, which is Auburn's Roger McCreary. You took, you had him as the best fit for the chiefs. Um, just what we talked about him early on in the process, and I feel like have not talked about him since. So go ahead and refresh the people on Roger McCreary. Sure, uh, McCreary. He is the he's the one who who doesn't necessarily have the speed or or the length that um, the top flight corners that you, you the the types of measurables you want, right? But when you just watch him play, um, those limitations don't really show up in a bad way. And when he's yeah. faced really good receivers like the, the, the guys from Alabama and, and Jahan Dotson. He had a really good game against Jahan Dotson this year. Um, you know, he's able to work around those deficiencies. Really smart, physical, um, great 
in press coverage. And, and to me, I, I said way back when, when I first watched him, he reminds me a lot of, of watching Rashad Fenton because Fenton also, not the fastest, not the longest, but for whatever reason, he's able to stay in receivers' hip pockets a lot of the time. I think McCreary, you know, if they take him in the second round, that's what you're going to get at worst. You're going to get what Rashad Fenton is right now, and and I think that's plenty adequate. You know, that's a starting caliber corner, um, especially in today's league where you need three of them, four of them just to get by. So uh, I think he's an easy projection for the Chiefs if they go that route. I, I think it's a good eye on the Rashad Fenton comp, honestly. I, I do think they're very similar players. And, you know, with the length and stuff, you know, it it, it is probably something we over uh, talk about. I think when you think about Spagnuolo in this defense, he mo- more most importantly, I, I think a lot of times we get too caught up in the you know that he's a more of a cover two guy. Um, you know, I, I think a, I think the thing he does probably value the most, right, with when he's blitzing, when he's you know in his dime defenses, when he's kind of being creative, is someone that can just stick with the guy and not get you know uh, blown in, in, in man coverage. And and a guy like McCreary has kind of proven he can do that, in my opinion. So. Love that we got to talk about him again. I think he's he's been not talked about enough in this process, obviously. Um, Talon, you have a few that really interest me. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna ask, you know, go ahead. I, I, tell me one of the positions uh, that you kind of want to talk about through the guys you 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 have fits, because there's a few names that, that really interest me, but maybe just pick one of them that, that you want to talk about. Sure. So I'll go with Josh Pascal from Kentucky. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of him. I think his profile um, athletically and just, you know, the way they're built is very comparative to Frank Clark. Um, he's a very good run defender. He's a high motor guy. He knows his responsibilities. He understands what he's supposed to do in his role. Um, and he trusts the other guys around him. You can just see it in his film. He's, he's going to do his job and he's going to do it to the best of his ability. He's built like a, like a brick, you know what? Um, so <laughs> I think this is a guy that you, you bring in to not necessarily be your best pass rusher, but he's a guy that's going to, uh, give you something as your number two pass rusher, but what what you bring him in for uh, is a locker room presence, a run defender, and, and a guy that just is, is going to set the tone for the game. So, so for me, Josh Pascal not only is a guy that you know Spagnuolo likes in terms of you know profile and all that stuff, but uh, I, I you know he's a three time captain, which goes to show you you know he's a high character dude, and, and the teammates love him, the coaching staff love him. So yeah, man, I, those guys are just good to have around, and he produces on the field, so. Yeah, you know, he's a he's home run. Yeah, no, he's definitely come around as a guy. I I really hope we kind of see maybe at that sixty two, even if it takes maybe closer to fifty. Um, he's just a guy as you just mentioned, a, a guy you just want on your team. I like that one. I actually threw out Chris Olave at receiver. Um, I, I think Jamison Williams is the right answer, which Brian you threw out, and and I really like Jahan Dotson as a fit, which I think is actually kind of a a hot a hot take. Um, it seems like to some people at least. So Talon, you had him as well, but. I think Chris Olave, if he was plugged into this offense, he'd just give you that that really good route running, that vertical threat, but also kind of some yak ability that goes along with some of the stuff you you see with uh, you know with with what the Chiefs have right now. Yeah, it's maybe a little repetitive of, of what MBS maybe gives you a little bit um, with his speed, but I think Olave is kind of maybe a little better in the short to intermediate areas and and can just give you someone that you you can throw in right away and he's going to give you big plays. So. Definitely um, Olave, I think he's just not a, a really an option in terms of if he'll make it to the Chiefs or not. Although, hey, you know, he could be a guy they trade up for potentially. So now we're going to – this is an interesting one. And, and you know, let's let's try to – you know, let's make sure we give everyone, uh, you know, their due diligence because it's kind of a an interesting uh, subject in terms of floors, right? You know, who has the highest floor as a player? 
um, an interesting term. You know, uh, it can kind of be taken a few ways. Brian, who was a player that you thought of when you heard highest floor as a prospect? So highest floor um, for me, that's, you know, a, a safe pick. Uh, I went with Lewis Seen, uh, Georgia safety. Love it. And the reason why is you think about all these boxes that he's checking. Okay. He's got the athleticism. His uh, athletic score was off the charts elite um, for the safety position. You know, he's been productive. I mean, yeah, he played with the best defense in college football last year with a lot of NFL talent around him, but you know, he, he did his job. And then also all we've heard for the last few months is how well he has done, you know, in his interviews and yeah, the way teams are seeing him as like the type of player, uh, the type of person who can be a leader in the locker room and patrol the back end in your secondary. So I'm sitting there thinking about all these things and, it's just hard to, to see a guy like that failing. I think, you know, at worst, he's going to be a, a good starter and he can fit in a lot of different defenses because his skill set, his size, he, you don't have to pigeonhole him into any um, particular scheme. So Lewis yeah. seen to me, safe prospect, and he's going to be uh, a little undervalued in my opinion, in terms of his draft selection. Yeah, no, I I, I like I love that pick. He's my guy. I mean, he's my safety too in this class. I actually I'm looking at my I've developed uh, what what I believe is my finalized top fifty, and Lewis Seen is my seventeenth ranked player right now. So I I am very high on him. Um, my guy, I went with highest floor though. I, when I think highest floor in this class, and that's why I really want to see if he slips to a certain point, the Chiefs to go up and get him. It's Florida State's Jermaine Johnson. I, I really think he's a guy that is going to give you really good, you know, really quality snaps at the very minimum as an NFL player, a guy that, you know, maybe by the end of the rookie contract, you're not like super pumped about paying, but at the same time in today's world where you just need solid edge rush, I could, I do think he's going to be a guy that's worth paying. So maybe I shouldn't say that, but just maybe not the flashiest edge rusher. Maybe, you know, maybe he's not a, a you know, a guy that's going to give you, you know, close to 20 sacks or anything, but just someone that you trust to play on the edge and, and give you really good snaps and town. I think you have a, a, maybe a similar answer for yours uh, on the highest floor. Yeah, and I, I mentioned before with Carl Loftus, um, yeah. just everything I mentioned about the you just know what you're getting and, and similar to what Brian said, it's a safe pick. So for me, yeah. he, he's the highest floor. So um, lowest yeah. floor, though, I want you to go into that because I agree with you on your pick. He was mine, too. Yeah, so I went Sky Moore, and I know this guy's high on a lot of people's lists, and it's it's warranted. He's a good football player. There's nothing against him. He's a good route runner. Uh, he has really nice feet. He's a sudden player. Um, he can go up and get some passes. I, just, I question if he's going to be able to do that against elite NFL cornerbacks and what he's going to be able to produce um, and against those talented defenses when he's not facing the the level of talent. You know, a good uh, sample is, you know, Michigan. He, 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 he was not predictive against Michigan. They, they shut him down. They took him out of the game um, like two catches for like 20 yards. He just, he was, he was non-existent. So when, when, when you get to the NFL level, you have to, you know, have this, you have to be special and he's a good football player. I just, I just don't know if I see special um, round two. I think he would be great value for the chiefs, but I, round one is a, is a reach to me. Yeah. He was a guy that I would not expect of myself to put as a low floor kind of guy when you think about it on the face value of the question, but man, I, you know, at the same time, yeah, you're right. He did do it at a, a, a smaller school. He has a good athletic testing profile for sure. But at the same time, you know, he's winning on route running, which, you know, maybe that, at the, like we saw it work really well at the college level, but you know, maybe it just doesn't have the same effectiveness. He's maybe he's not creating separation at the same rate in the NFL. Um, yeah, it's definitely someone that, that is more of a high, I think he is a high ceiling player, but also a low floor player. I, I think so. Um, 
And so, Brian, you have another receiver in that same realm. Um, a couple names, actually. Who do you who do you think when you think lowest floor? Yeah, I do. I do go with the receiver. Um, this player, as far as value goes, if he is the the one that they call at twenty nine or thirty in round one, uh, Christian Watson, um, another small school receiver, just like Sky Moore at North Dakota State. Um, Watson, it's like he he could turn into a number one with his physical profile, but there's also an outcome where he cannot you know, separate at all. And he struggles in contested catch situations downfield or with concentration drops. That was an issue for him um, last year was those, those drops. And so it's one of those where if they pick him that high, I am going to be a little scared about if it goes wrong, because if it goes wrong, he may not make it through his rookie contract type of situation. You know, Um, he could be a, a number four receiver, uh, so uh, I would be a little bit nervous about Watson, but at the same time, he does have potential to hit in a really big way. So he's fascinating. You know, I was pretty young when it happened, but could Christian Watson give anyone else? Uh, and I'm asking, could anyone, could, could he give Jonathan Baldwin vibes? Um, was he that kind of, you know, a, a deep threat, bigger type of receiver town? Do you have any takes on that? You were probably, you know, I mean, I do remember John Baldwin, um, I mean, he wouldn't run long, but I mean, I think it's kind of fair. I mean, I think Baldwin's a little bit more athletically built. I think he was a little bit bigger. I, yeah. I think I would have, I don't know. Christian Watson is a little bit more athletic. Yeah. I, oh, I mean, he is. He's just yeah. straight up more. I mean, he was in one of the most athletic prospects. No, it was just, it, I, I just, you know, when you're thinking low floor bus potential kind of guy, it was just a, a name I threw out. Uh, like I said, it was 2011. You know, I was pretty, I was pretty young. I wasn't, I wasn't breaking down film. Um, I was in like, what, eighth, sixth grade, maybe? Fifth grade, um, highest ceiling player. We're gonna go to highest ceiling now. So flip it from floor to ceiling. Kind of a different question here, Brian. You have uh, you know the hot name on, on Chiefs Kingdom on the highest ceiling. I think we all agree he's a high ceiling guy here. <clears throat> George Pickens, Georgia wideout. Um, the reason for him being here is I don't think they have to move up for him like they would Jamison Williams or a uh, potentially even Chris Olave. But he he can be a number one, um, and I'm not even sure the Chiefs need a number one. There's there are you know thoughts out there in my head where maybe it'd be better if they just kind of had a bunch of really solid number two types, and and you didn't never really knew where the ball was going to go. But um, Pickens does have that talent and to to be that guy, and you know his injury situation last year, um, I think is why he's not maybe being talked about in the top 15 picks. There's other reasons why, you know, he's a little bit hot tempered and there are background concerns that um, we don't have the answers to, but you know, it, it, he's one where if, if he hits that top, that ceiling we're, we're discussing here, he could be, you know, one of the best five to 10 receivers in the whole league o- over yep. time. So that's really appetizing. And, um, I'm kind of crossing my fingers that he's one of the names that they do end up calling here uh, this week, this week ahead. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I just, I, I told you guys in the, the Slack chat, I'm, I'm going to try to do a little bit of a, where we incorporate all of our thoughts into a kind of a, a perfect draft where the AP kind of what we all kind of think would be the best draft with all of our thoughts together. And I have a feeling, um, you know, the majority of us are going to want Pickens to be one of those first picks, but, uh, I know we'll have some uh, some takes on that a little later um, from one of us on here. So uh, I'm going to go my highest ceiling guy as, as Talon's guy here, and that's Daxton Hill. 
I, I, I really think if, if Spagnolo gets this guy, Spagnolo's the guy that, that, you know, uh, molds this guy into what he is like in his defense. I mean, we could see, I think similar to what we saw from Tyron Matthew in the 2019 season, you know, Tyron's a special player, but I think Daxon Hill could give you that same versatility where in the right matchup, he's manning up in the slot and, and, and defending a guy, you know, at other times he's, he's helping against the run coming at, you know, downhill. And, and other times he's ranging the back of the back end of the defense and, playing all those roles so well that he just makes the entire rest of the defense better. You know, I think Lewis seen fits that as well. I, I think Lewis, I love Lewis seen, but I, I, you know, when I think about versatility, what we already see from Daxon Hill and where he can go with it from here with his athletic profile too. I, I really like Daxon Hill as a high ceiling guy. And then Talon, you have another high ceiling guy who we've talked about a little bit already, but uh, just, just why do you think this guy, like how high of a ceiling, maybe that's the question. How high of a ceiling does this guy have? Yeah, I went with Jameson Williams, and I just looked at, the, at his history. Two years at Ohio State, didn't get on the field much. Transferred to Alabama, has one year, explodes, goes off the charts. Um, you know, the dude's 21, super athletic, has speed. He's going to recover from the injury. We're in a day and age where ACL tears just aren't as significant as they once were. Just that's the way it is. Um, so I think he's going to bounce back from this, and I think how good he could be. He's still learning the game. He, You know, he, he's bounced around. Like I said, he hadn't really had a lot of opportunities to to really see game speed action and, and learn from uh, just experience. So I think once he gets more experience, he's just going to get better and better. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. So flipping it, lowest ceiling, I went with Jordan Davis, who we've talked about a little bit. But you you mentioned some good points with that already, Brian. But, you know, I, I just do think, you know, at some point he's just going to, you know, as much as good as he can be, he's still just going to be, you know, a, a defensive tackle that, you know, for the most part, you're not, you know, he's not going to give you a Chris Jones 15 sacks in a season. Like, I just don't think that's happening, right? Like, I, I think he's just going to be really solid play, maybe more than, a, you know, maybe a little more than solid play. But at the same time, like, I think he's a high floor guy, but I, I just think there's just a, a, a cap on, you know, if he, you know, how much he can be in terms of when you think about DeForest Buckner, Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones, like, you know, there's a certain level of defensive tackle, and I just don't think he can reach that. Um, for where he's going to get drafted, but still going to be a great player, in my opinion, you know, in terms of just a solid starter. Brian, you have another defensive lineman that I I have a similar probably take about here. Uh, go ahead. So DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M, um, he's not the only guy that fits into this bucket in the class, but what scares me about the idea of picking him is he's got this tweener vibe yeah. where – you know, and, and the thing is, like Chris Jones, a few years ago, when you watched him and what he did at Mississippi State, you could see the explosion off the ball that was different. You could see that, you know, he, he was able to do the things that he does now that he's with the Chiefs. Um, but it was like Leal, I don't even really see that. And so you're taking a player who you're not really sure what position he's going to fit into full time. And he's not really flashing, at least in my opinion, in the way that that you you'd hope I think you're just signing yourself up for you know an issue where you're not you're not able to put him in positions to succeed so him and there's a couple other guys who fit into that that line of thinking for me um I, I get really nervous about these tweener body types especially on the defensive line yeah no I agree on Leal and spoiler alert um Logan Hall has the same kind of vibes to me um so I think he's a little more explosive, though. Leal doesn't even isn't even worth a, a round two pick to me. I think Hall um, gives you a little more um, to be excited about on round two. But 
One more section before we go to break. I think this one's a fun one to, to kind of end the first half of the show on. So me and Talon actually earlier this uh, this uh, offseason, Brian, one week that you were off on here, me and him actually did a uh, biggest shocking shock of a pick, like the, sh- the the pick that like in the first round that like the fan base would just be like, what the heck? Like Talon had a great one. N'Kobe Dean, the Georgia linebacker. I do think that would just be like, whoa, what are we doing here? Although I I, I actually would re- love it. I think it'd be a, a really fun pick. And I said Trevor Penning. Brian, I want you to say who would your first round shock pick be? And then I think we're actually going to throw out a couple second round options too that I think we we like. But uh, Brian, biggest shocker of a pick to the fan base in the first round. As torn as I was, I um, I selected Traylon Burks, the wideout from Arkansas, mm. who can be a really fun player to watch. Right? Like there are teams. Um, heck, I think the 49ers right now, you know, if, if they end up getting rid of Debo Samuel, they're not the same player. Don't get me wrong. They're not, but I think he can do some of those things. It's kind of like you, we talk about with Tyreek and Jamison, like there are just certain components of their skill set that match. Um, but I don't think he's a fit. I don't think Burks is a great fit for this offense. And so if his name was called, it would make me, um, it would make me do a lot of digging and, and try to see what, what am I missing or, or what are they planning on doing to integrate him more, more squarely? Because um, I, I do worry about him just being able to separate consistently. And, and I don't think that they really need a receiver who's kind of, you know, one of his best, maybe his best skill is, is winning contested catches downfield. I don't know if that's what they're looking for either. See, I, I like this pick because when you talk about, shock in terms of like what kind of player they're looking for who you're scouting out it does kind of seem like burks is the one receiver in the first round that doesn't really kind of fit what i would think they're kind of looking for to complement who they have because burks is kind of similar to the juju smith schuster i i would i i think honestly a bigger slot um that's going to run a lot of you know uh, uh short stuff you know get the ball in his hands quickly and, and be hard to tackle like that's kind of what juju does obviously juju can do a little more he's a better receiver than burks um, but yeah, I, I agree. I like that pick, but when we go to the second round town and, and you're looking at, you know, what could, what could shock the fan base if, if we saw that pick go at 50 or 62, either one, I went with Washington state's right tackle, Abraham Lucas as a, you know, he, you know, he's a solid pass protector, a guy that could, you know, come in right away and maybe start right away. Um, potentially, um, you know, I think, I think Lucas and Annie probably have a, a, a good say over him, but you had a similar pick. Who was your biggest shock of a second round pick? Yeah, I went Sean Ryan from UCLA. I, I love the guy. Um, I think he could play probably across the board. I mean, he, he had three starting years at left tackle at UCLA. It's not like he's playing scrub teams. You know, he's playing Pac-12, you know, Power 5 teams. So, yeah. um, and he held, you know, he, he faced Kayvon Thibodeau. He faced, you know, some some high-profile uh, edge rusher. So, um, I think where he fits in, I think he'd be a great starting right tackle. I think he would probably win that job out of the room. It would be, you know, depending on Yang's health, but um, – He's also a guy that if, if they need to move around, he could slide to left guard if Joe Tooney needs to slide to left tackle again or if they feel more comfortable with Ryan at left tackle. I, he's the guy that Andy Heck would love to have on his team. He just could play every single position. Um, I don't know if he's played center before, but I guarantee he could. <laughs> I imagine. I imagine so. And and you, you mentioned it all right there. That's why the Chiefs could overvalue someone like him. Oh, this guy's a, we can play him at guard tackle. Cause you're right. And, and I, I think I said it the first time we talked about him on the podcast, but dude's got some tree trunks for legs. So uh, you love to see that from your linemen, just absolutely people movers on his, on his legs there. Um, 
So yeah, first half of the show in the books. We're gonna get into a few more uh, superlatives on the second half of the show. So keep uh, keep tuned in here. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We're back here on the AP Draft Room Podcast. Counting down the days until the NFL draft. We're about four or three days away, depending on when you're listening to this. And to celebrate, we're doing a bunch of superlatives, which have been really fun so far. Appreciate you guys listening. We're going to get right back into it here, which I think this one's kind of a fun one to talk through. Maybe not fun, uh, depending on how you look at it. But uh, what are the worst case scenario for the first few, few picks? It's always kind of a fun exercise to kind of look at, you know, realistically, what kind of what you know, situation where the first few picks go and you're kind of like, holy cow, they blew it, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, to an extent, right? We always got to give them credit right on the, the day of the draft. You know, we can't we can't say it's an F uh, right away, but uh, I don't know, Brian, you kind of threw one out, which I, I pretty much agree with that. These are the first three picks. You know, I'm, I'm just not going to be super excited about, uh, you know, uh, the class as a whole. Uh, go ahead. <clears throat> this first one, I like the player at the right spot. I just. First round, sketch me out a bit. Andrew Booth, Clemson corner, um, for one, doesn't have much experience in press coverage. So, uh, he, you know, you're projecting that piece, knowing that they're going to ask him to do that a lot. And also, his injury history is really concerning. That's not something you expect to get better, really. Like when a guy is in his young, you know, low 20s, already having all these injuries, that's, you know, a red flag big time. And then, Logan Hall, tweener, defensive tackle, defensive end, whatever you want to call him. You know, I don't like having to figure that that puzzle out, um, as I mentioned earlier with Leal. And then the other one is Kingsley Enigbare, um, yep. an edge out of South Carolina. Uh, just somebody I didn't I didn't see it. Um, I don't think he's got much juice to offer, and I don't think his upside is is anything promising. I totally agree with Enigbare. Um, in the third round. You know, it's it's a good pick, right? But I think if he's the pick at 62, um, yeah, I'm just going to be pretty uninspired. Or even if he's the pick at 50, um, obviously, if he's the pick at 50. Uh, Talon, you threw out Drake Jackson. Now, when you when you say Drake Jackson, at what point? You know, are you talking maybe first round? Is that a worst-case scenario? Or what point is, is picking Drake Jackson where you're just like, oh, boy, that is no bueno? If he's the first edge rusher the Chiefs are taking, I think, I think they're in a okay. bad spot. Which yeah, um, which I I'd agree with. Yeah, so I mean, obviously you need you you want a higher profile guy to pair with him because I think athletically he could you know he's got the bend he's got some explosion to him. Um, 
I think he could probably become someone, but I think he's also a guy that he could be really bad. I think he could be probably, you know, the practice squad guy if, if he doesn't really have that drive and that motor to live up to his potential. I, I think he could be one that, that could be a, yeah, a bad pick. I like that one. I'm, I'm glad we threw that one out because you're right. I do think we've heard some some r- rumors that Jackson might go pretty high. So if, if that's if that's maybe the Chiefs picking him with the first pick, with the first round pick, yeah, I'd like I really like him as the double up. You know, the, the second half of a double up rather than the first half of it. I'm gonna go to favorite same school duos, which I think is kind of fun. And I'm just gonna we can go kind of rapid fire on this in terms of I'm gonna give you a, you know either or pretty much. Would you rather have these, you know, one of these three combinations of, of, of two uh, school, same school prospects? Penn State's Arnold Ebiketti plus Jahan Dotson, Georgia's George Pickens plus Lewis Seen, or Michigan's David Ojabo plus Daxton Hill? You know, don't worry about value. Don't worry about where you're taking them. Which duo between these three would you rather have quickly? Brian, what do you think? Mm, uh, I'm going to take Penn State. Um, I want the yeah. ed, the edge and the receiver. They're both guys I like. Uh, Ebiquette and and Dotson are are my picks here. I like it. I think I think I'd probably agree, Talon. Are you thinking another way? I'm gonna go Michigan. Yeah, I, just like I knew it. The uh, <laughs> the upside and how good Ojabo and Hill could both be. I, you look at the offense. You're gonna have Mahomes. You're gonna have Reed for a while. They're they're set up. The defense needs some help, man. And Ojabo and Hill could be complete game changers for that defense. Yeah, I think I'm going to side with Brian, though. I, I, Ebiketti and Jahan Dotson have really grown on me as the process went along. So I like both of them and and uh, to be the first few picks. I like this one here. Most likely to be a late bloomer. So, you know, a guy that maybe you pick, you're disappointed for a year or two, just like, what is this, you know, what is this guy? He's not really, you know, doing what, he's, what we think maybe he could have. And all of a sudden, maybe year three or year four, that contract year, he, he goes off or he shows exactly that ceiling that we kind of thought. Brian, when you think of a guy like that that has the potential to do uh, have a career path like that, who did you think of? I go to someone Talon talked about earlier, Tariq Woolen, the corner, um, small school, Texas San Antonio. Um, it's just you can't expect him to come in and, and play starter snaps. There's too much to work on technique-wise. and uh, Yeah, the physical traits are there, so maybe one day. I think he even said end of year two, um, maybe year three. That's when you start to see the payoff. And unfortunately, the Chiefs need a corner much sooner than that. So I, I don't know that he's a fit here a, as things stand. Talon, same question. Who do you think? Who do you think as uh, of as a late bloomer? So I, I throw a, a, a another repeat name, but Sky Moore talked about him before. But he's a guy that I think, given his background with the small school stuff. He is athletic, like you said. He he did test very well. Um, he's a guy that might come in and, and be shocked by just how different it is, and he just might take some time to get used to it and, and, and learn how to use his skills to get open, to create separation, and, and to just adapt to the, to the to the game speed of the NFL. So um, I think he's a guy that could develop down the road into a Hunter Renfro type of guy, um, but it, it could just take him a little bit to get there. I like that name. Um, I, I think I threw out Julian Edelman um, on the 610 show. If you listen to Draft Talk last week, it was our draft special. And uh, Nate Tice at The Athletic comped Julian Edelman to Sky Moore. And, and I could see that. And I think Hunter Renfro makes similar sense, right? A, a slot that just can get open over the short to um, middle intermediate areas of the field. So that is good stuff. Um, and 
I went Boye Mafe with my my late bloomer. Um, Boye Mafe seems like a guy that, you know, I, I would kind of feel indifferent um, if the Chiefs took him. You know, I, I think it'd be a, I, I think I really like his athletic upside. He's not a guy I see like right away, like being like a, an instant impact, like a Karloftis could be, or or some maybe a few of the other picks. Although, you know, I still have him high, uh, highly rated, but I think he's a guy that you know maybe at first we're just kind of like, well, he, you know, you see the athletic upside, he's not really putting it together, and then all of a sudden, boom, he goes for 10, 12 sacks in a season in his third year or fourth year. So I think Mafe is definitely that kind of type. Another topic. This might be one of my favorites of the day here. Doubling up at receiver or edge, the different possibilities you have, you know, this is something you could really think about a lot of, a lot here. What are some of your favorites and least favorites here? Um, and, you know, we can kind of just name them off. We talked about some of these guys, but Brian, just give me your favorite possibilities to double up at both the receiver position and the defensive line. At wideout, um, I'm going with George Pickens and John Mechie. Already talked about both of those guys. Yeah. But- you're just hedging your bets, and and um, you're getting one in Pickens who can contribute immediately. And then Mechie, you know, I do think he'll probably be ready for training camp, but you'll be able to ease him in to the offense more, and I think both will turn out to be good players at edge. I'm uh, with Arnold Ebiquete, the the Penn State edge, who we've mentioned a few times, and then Sam Williams, one you you clearly love a lot, Ron. I, do <laughs> too. I yeah. just reviewed him um, and, and put an article up this past week on the website. So check that out at Arrowhead Pride if you haven't. But, um, man, he has a lot of potential. He really, really does. And in the right room, him and Ebiquete, I think those together are bookend long-term starters at defensive end. Yeah, I I love that pick. I think that is my favorite double up. I didn't go with that one. Uh, I went went with Joshua Pascal um, as as just a – it's just a, you know, maybe more of a day two uh, double up. That's the thing. Sam Williams might, I mean, he'll go day two, but he might go round three, um, which is crazy. I obviously think he's better than that. Um, but yeah, I think Abiketti and then a guy that's more of a solid, you know, a bigger defensive end maybe makes a lot of sense, right? Um, and so, Talon, we went Abiketti and, and Sam Williams or Joshua Pascal. You went Pascal, but who is your first edge to double up with there? Yeah, so I paired Pascal with Ojabo. Um, and, and similar reasoning behind the Abiketti pairing, you just they provide different things, but I think they could be booking ends for 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 you know five ten years. And um, Ojabo just with his you know injury, he'd be a top fifteen pick, and the Chiefs right. are just yeah. not going to get off uh, a lot of opportunities to get talented players like that. So when they fall, and, and you got it, you got to find uh, the silver lining and in, in, in things. And Ojabo is still going to be a really good football player. Yes. Nope. That's the, that's great logic. That's my logic behind it. He's he, I actually at the air for the Arrowhead pride SB nation mock, I picked David Ojabo and Daxon Hill with that same logic. So I totally agree there looking at the receiver double ups though. Brian went Pickens and Mechie. I went Pickens and Bo Melton, which, you know, he, Bo Melton's a little deeper, deeper of a prospect, maybe closer to round three or four. Um, but I, I do think he's a sleeper in terms of a guy that can be a big play guy, more of a slot or a Z um, pretty much a slot, but can still be a vertical threat, can still, you know, win on jet sweeps and, and quick throws. And with Pickens being the, the you know, the downfield, you know, big target X kind of guy, I think Melton complements that pretty well. And then Talon, uh, you you went with, we already talked about Jahan Dotson, but uh, Izu Kanma, the Texas Tech guy, uh, we like him. Um, how how late are you, or what what round maybe are you thinking that he would have to go, in, in, or are you feeling good about him going, I should say, maybe? 
depending on how those first few picks go and, you know, and how the board falls, I think Izukama could be worth a third round pick. He's just, he's a very talented receiver. He's got really high upside. He's a guy that out of high school was very highly rated, but just went through such turmoil at Texas Tech could have easily walked out the door, transferred and landed on a team and started day one, but he didn't, he stuck with his commitment. Uh, And to me, that speaks volumes. Um, and, and yeah, he, he stuck. I don't know, man. I like him, and I think yeah. him with a guy like Dotson would, would be would be a really good uh, double dip. Yeah, and I think it's entirely possible. We've seen them visit, um, and, and the Chiefs have definitely started to value those those bigger guys that can move around the formation. Um, and especially if they don't have to pick him with a very high pick, I think that's good value for for a depth guy. But Brian, we did some least favorite double ups too, which I think was kind of fun to look at. Um, I, I think your defensive line one's really good. So I want you to kind of break down why you picked the two you did. My least favorite on D line, Logan Hall, um, and my Jai Sanders. And yeah. uh Sanders, he has really fallen down boards throughout the process. Weight problems um have been kind of, you know, he was sick at the combine and you know, put a little bit back on before pro day. But even on tape, I just I do worry a little bit about him being a three down um, defensive end and a defense like the chiefs have. And um, I I don't know, man, I I don't know if the upside's there enough. If they took another edge before him that I really liked, then I'd say, okay. But this situation where you have Logan Hall, who's a tweener, we already, that's where I'd be really, really nervous about where we're headed long-term. Yeah, I think, I think it's a really good one. I I really do. Um, Cause Sanders is a guy that like should fit like, just in terms of like how he plays, but then you see how, you know, just his size and, you know, when you're not getting another edge to and when he's kind of the first edge, you're taking the true edge, you're taking in the draft. Yeah. I, I do think there's some, there's some hesitation there. Um, one of the least favorites I threw out there for the receiver position was Christian Watson and Jalen Tolbert, which, you know, Christian Watson, I, you know, I, I do like him. I wish they kind of maybe be the second pick, which I know is just not probably going to be possible in terms of him being the second receiver taken. Cause They'd have to double up pretty quick on those two positions. But, you know, I just like Watson as more of a second round swing than the 29 or 30 swing. And then if he's, you know, uh, complimented with Jalen Tolbert, maybe later in the second round, maybe uh, early third, possibly, you know, I I think Tolbert's just maybe kind of just, you know, just a guy, maybe a little bit. uh, Unfortunately, I, I just I wouldn't get too excited about that. And. And you know, I would rather take a David Bell kind of type of receiver, maybe, um, than than a Tolbert. But I don't know. Tolbert's a polarizing guy. Maybe you know, maybe I'm sleeping on him a little bit. So I just threw that out there. Next topic I wanted to get into uh, real quick is just these a few names that to throw out there that are you know we haven't talked about really at all. Kind of diamonds in the roughs a little bit. And uh, Talon, you brought up this guy uh, in, in our group chat one time, and and he has a great story. So I want to make sure we hit on this guy before the draft starts. That is Idaho State's wide receiver, Tanner Connor. Tell us a little bit about Tanner Connor. So, yeah, Tanner Connor, yeah, I just doubled upon him, a uh, lucky find. But hopefully, I, I hope this guy lands. He's a talented kid, uh, track and field background. Um, he was a a well-renowned hurdler, so he had a ton of D1 offers to come play tra- or come run track. Um, but he, his passion was football. He wanted to walk on the football team, but uh, there, there wasn't anybody offering a scholarship that would allow him to walk onto the football team. Along comes Idaho State, uh, one him offers him a track scholarship, but he says, "Hey, I want to walk onto the football program." They say, "Hey, that's fine," you know. And they, the, the uh, I believe it was the athletic director, uh, showed him around, introduced him to everybody on the football team, um, and you know, uh, 
one thing led to another. And here he is, one of the greatest Idaho State football players of all time. And um, yeah, he's a big dude. He's like 6'2", uh, 220 plus. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard to find like exact measurements on these guys just because he won right. a combine invite. He went to Washington's pro day. Um, so he did rumor to run like a 4.3740. Um, more than likely, it's, that's probably closer to the 4.4 range. But he's a big dude, obviously, with a track and field background. Um, I think he would be obviously a, a seventh round pick potentially undrafted free agent guy. Um, but if the Chiefs want him, he's probably going to have to be a draft pick in the seventh round because um, he's probably a dude that's landed on a few radars by now. I'd imagine. Yeah, no, I, I, that's good. We shouted him out. That's a cool story. You also wrote down guys like Nebraska receiver Samori Torre. I think that's how you say his name. And Missouri Western Sam Webb. Nice to shout out those guys. Sam Webb's a local guy. He went to Excelsior Springs High School. Um, but Brian, I'm glad you picked the guy you did because he's someone that intrigued me um, in this process that doesn't get a lot of love. Uh, who did you pick out? I rolled with Makai Polk, uh, Mississippi State, wideout. He is one that I came across by watching other players, and sometimes that happens. You know, you're you're watching, um, especially SEC football. I mean, you, Mississippi right. State comes up a lot, and he was just always making some plays, and you'd say, okay, who's number 10 um, out there? And he's got a long, lanky frame. You know, could could add some muscle to his build for sure. And I think it'd be a good idea. But he was very productive last year in a pass heavy, very pass heavy offense. But he needs to expand his route tree, no doubt. Um, needs to be good at the routes he does add. But if he's able to do that, you know, I, I think there's a scenario where he becomes a legitimate number four, maybe a number three at, at his best level. Um, we see this happen. There's always, you know, some of the best receivers in the league right now were taken um, on day yeah. three of the draft. And there's no reason that couldn't happen again. If it was going to uh, Polk's one who I might be willing to bet on, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he lands and when he lands. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the youngest prospects in the draft, which is the other thing about this that intrigued me. I mean, he, he is, he is, uh, I think he's 20 or 21. I mean, I think he is 20 and hasn't turned 21 yet, which is insanely young for a prospect. Obviously has a lot of room to grow. And yeah, if he's a seventh round kind of pick, I think that's well worth the swing. So yeah, I'm glad you shouted him out. And then I wanted to shout out, I shouted him out before, but Florida A&M safety, Marquise Bell. I, I really feel like this dude is, it, it would be a really fun guy. Obviously a special teamer um, as a seventh round pick safety. You're, you're going to have to contribute on special teams, which he definitely will. Cause I think he's a pretty good tackler, you know, uh, you know, an explosive athlete, but I really think he has the chance to, be, you know, what the Chiefs have gotten from like a guy like Daniel Sorensen or a guy like, you know, some of these safeties, these, these, you know, third safeties, fourth safeties that can give you just kind of some playmaking, you know, kind of fly around the field. I think he could do that uh, potentially as, as a, an undrafted free agent or seventh round pick. So definitely look out for him. I hope the Chiefs find a way to maybe get his services for 2022 and beyond. But let's move on to here. This next one, I think this is kind of interesting, you know, maybe just real quick, your, your quick opinion on it. The most likely elite prospect to fall further than he should. There's always one, right? There's all, or a couple, at least I should say. Um, Talent. I'm going to go to you here, and I think this is probably a name that we're all familiar with in terms of uh, someone who could fall. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton, the Notre Dame safety. Um, when you come on the tape, it, it's hard to find holes in his game. He's just he's so good. He leaps off the page. It, it, 
it's not hard to, to find him. But, um, you know, his numbers weren't as good as people expected. And, you know, recent history tells you you shouldn't take a safety very early. So um, I think all these things combined could push him down. And, and I think we're looking at he might even fall into the teen range, um, just depending on how guys value that safety position. But this is a guy that's he he's elite. He is he is a top five value um, that that is just unfortunately plays at a position that some, you know, is, is it might cause him to fall down some boards. Yeah, it feels like Derwin James all over again. I remember um, Derwin James, the draft that year. I was not covering it yet, um, but I was I think I was at a dinner or something. I wasn't able to look at my phone. And I remember when when I when my friend told me where Derwin James went, I just like didn't believe him. I thought he was just lying like. There's just no way the NFL let him slip all the way to 16 or 17 or wherever the hell he went. Um, that was just ridiculous. And it, it feels like it might happen again here. Um, Brian, you with an interesting one that I haven't really considered uh, a, a guy that can fall. But the more I think about it, the more I think it's a really good one. And, and hey, I'd be kind of enti- in, intrigued if this guy fell here. Who did you pick? It's Drake London, a uh, wide receiver from USC. For me, it here's the deal. He, he didn't run his 40 at the pro day or the combine, you know, and, and that is what it is. Like, I don't think that's the biggest thing. So it's on these teams to really dive in and, and watch what he did in college and say, do we think he's going to be able to not, I don't think like separation is not the hugest thing. Cause he's amazing catching the ball in contested spots, but right. Um, you know, they're probably going to want him to do it at, at some sort of adequate level. And if they are worried that that's not going to be the case and they don't have the testing numbers to support that thesis. He could tumble down outside of the top 10 closer to 20. Whereas all this time he's kind of been a, a, a sure lock to go in the 10 range. So um, yeah. if that is the case, I, I'm all about the chiefs, you know, going up and grabbing this, this guy as a Mike Evans comp. Um, I think that yeah. could be his future. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think there's going to be worries about him creating separation, um, you know, him as a as a guy that's a true, you know, um, speed threat, which is the most important thing in the NFL today. I think he can create separation enough at his size at, at what he does. Um, I, I definitely think he's he's going to be a, a really good player in the NFL. And my I, I, I said Jermaine Johnson for this one, the most likely prospect to fall. I just think there's there's a chance that. G- Teams continue to overlook, uh, you know, who what he is for other guys that might just be more exciting, more flashy than he is, even though he did produce in, in college. Um, I just think there is a chance. Maybe I'm just uh, uh, speaking this into existence or hoping to at least, um, because I do I do really think this could be the best. That would be the best case scenario is if the Chiefs find a way to trade up um, reasonably and take him in the draft. But I want to go here to the biggest bust potential of the highly thought of tar- Chiefs target. This will actually be our last superlative before we get into our little draft and, and wrap up our, our last show before the draft. I, I don't want to I don't want to keep saying it, but it is. But here we go. Biggest bust potential of highly thought of Chiefs targets. Brian, when you think of, uh, you know, a guy that we've all kind of talked about, maybe to the Chiefs. You know, a guy that you could see something with, but at the same time, you have to admit you know, he could, he could, you know, bust out. Who do you think of? Man, I, I hate to say it, but Boye Mafe, he scares me a little this way. Um, yeah. Because he just, he lacks some of the strength that you want to see out of a three down edge defender to, to hold up against the run. And so if, if he can't do that, you know, he, he doesn't succeed and can't play the run. Well, then you, you don't have a full-time player. And then on the pass rush side, you know, there there's work to do there too. He he could be 
Um, you'd like to see a little more bend. You'd like to see better moves off, off of the snap. Um, and so there's a chance that if all those things combine together, he becomes someone who, who cannot start um, and can't even play, you know, 50% of the snaps. That's, that's a nightmare for a first round pick. Um, but, you know, I do like him. I, I think that he's got a high ceiling too. I don't want to totally bury my face. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this because these are some of the worries I had um, the more I looked into Mafe and, and when he started to become that kind of range in the 29 and 30 instead of a second round pick like he was kind of at the beginning of this draft process. Those are kind of the worries I have with him. But at the same time, you mentioned it. High ceiling, definitely a guy that's worth the swing, um, depending on the value, maybe closer to that 50 or 62 pick. Um, but hey, at the same time, you got to pick these players where you pick them. So if they like them, they're probably gonna have to pick him at 29 or 30. He may not even make it there. He's been rumored to go to the Packers in the 20s as well. Um, so yeah, he's he's a, he's a polarizing prospect. Talon, I think this is a name that you know could ra- rattle, uh, ruffle up some feathers, I should say, in Chief Kingdom. Um, go ahead for it. Yeah, George Pickens scares me. I'm not gonna lie to you. And um, you know, there's not a lot of sample size from him as a football player, and this has nothing to do with him as a football player on the field. He, he's he's one of the best talents I've probably seen, you know, recently in my short time doing this, but. Uh, it's between the ears for me, man. It's it's the coachability aspects. And it's, you know, people can can try to spin him throwing hands at a dude wearing a helmet. Do you want your starting receiver using a closed fist to throw at it? That's an idiot. I'm sorry, but you're my starting wide receiver. You protect your hands, son. And yeah. and, and, and that's not even it. You're, you're fighting on the field. Like, there, there's, there's too many things. There's not a lot of sample sizes of film. But when you watch film, uh, he's fighting. He, he, he's, he's being combative with his uh, wide receiver coach at a pro day, that stuff will leap off the page. And that's why, you know, you see these teams bringing these guys in. That's why that they want to know, is this a guy that I want to bring into my team? Is this the guy that I want to disrupt my locker room? Is this a guy that's going to help me more than hurt me for me? Yeah. I'm not there yet. I think for me, Pickens hurts the team more than he helps. And, and this gives the guy that is, has bus written all over him. Uh, that, that's my opinion. Yeah, you know, I mentioned at the top of your take that it could ruffle up some feathers, but I do think there's going to be people that that 100% agree with you because and and I'm and I'm closer to your camp probably than than you know um, the the other side I should say I guess in terms of you know Pickens for sure at 29 or 30, um just because yeah there are some some fears like that, but at the same time he also might be a guy that you may not have to pick at 29 or 30 because of that kind of stuff. He may fall down the draft boards where it becomes a little bit better of a value. Um, to kind of take the risk on some of those things because he is a super talented guy, as we've talked about. He, he one of the highest ceiling guys in this class, but you got to think about that kind of stuff, especially with a first round pick. You're investing in a guy that's going to, you know, be a part of your your long term future and be a face of your franchise. I think it's a great point, Talon. So well worth bringing up. I, I'm going to say Logan Hall for here uh, for biggest bust potential because I do think we're getting to that point and it's starting to sound like it's starting to sound like people kind of are, are thinking of him as this just like. Oh yeah, he can go to defensive end. He can be this huge defensive end that has the the pass rush skills, you know, kind of a a bigger body, but still the juice. Man, he gets I get serious vibes of when Chris Jones was moved to defensive end last year when I watched Logan Hall at defensive end. And, you know, we didn't like that for a reason, man. He's he's a guy that he's explosive for being an interior player, but he probably should stay on the interior to be maximized. And when I think of that kind of thing, man. There are not a lot of guys with Chris Jones' size profile, which Logan Hall has. They're very similar size players, similar size profile. There's just not a lot of guys that succeed like Chris Jones has. Chris Jones is such an outlier as a pros- as a player in the NFL, as, as a dominant player. 
that I just don't want to bet. I, I, I'm just not betting on that to happen again. Right. Um, so Logan Hall, I think he's going to have to go the Chris Jones route of maybe being a five tech at first in the NFL. And then, you know, kind of growing into maybe just being a, an explosive three tech, which Chris Jones now is, you know, remember Chris Jones had to be, you know, playing that three, four, you know, in the first couple of years in the league, you know, he was not a, just a, you know, a, a Spagnolo three tech right away, um, which I think fits him more as just a penetrating guy. So I think Logan Hall fits best in another kind of defense. I think if the Chiefs picked him, he, there's a good chance he could bust out. So bust out, I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't keep saying that. I feel like that means you're doing good if you bust out. So maybe I should stop saying that. Uh, all right. All right, guys. It's been a long show. Been a great show. I'm having so much fun here. I hope you guys are too listening at home. And this is where we're going to wrap up here. We we last show, if, if, if you missed it, make sure you go back and listen. Last show, we drafted first round options that we think the Chiefs could pick. We each, you know, in a, in a certain order, you know, pick guys' names. And Talon, you ended up with Daxon Hill, Arnold Ebicady, Jameson Williams. Brian, you ended up with Jermaine Johnson, Devontae Wyatt, and Boye Mafe. And I ended up with George Karloftis, Jahan Dotson, and David Ojabo. Now we're going to do the same thing, three rounds, with second-round prospects. So this will get fun. We'll end our, our uh, draft coverage here with trying to be smart and predicting who the Chiefs could take in the second round. I honestly do not remember who went first last time. I think it was you, Talon. You went first last time. So you are now at the bottom of the order. Brian, I'm going to give you the first pick. I'll go second. Talon goes third. And if you are ready to go, if you have someone on your mind that you think the Chiefs could take with one of their second-round picks, go for it. Tell us. We're going uh, full circle to the beginning of the episode, and I'm going to take Roger McCreary, the cornerback out of Auburn. You know, he's he's going to start day one, be really, really solid, and I think he falls in that 40s range as far as his, his pick. So they might have to trade up a little, but that's fine. Um, and yeah, I already took all the defensive linemen, so I don't need to do that for sure. <laughs> I, I, I love that pick. I think Roger McCreary is definitely on their minds as a good value in the second round. Beach talks about getting good value in the second round, and I think that'd be finally be something where he can't make the excuse that it wouldn't be good value to take a corner at that spot. You know, it pains me to say it, but I think when I'm talking predictive, what I think the Chiefs could do, I think, as we just talked about, we talked about this guy, I think they could really fall in love with what they could get out of Logan Hall. And so I do think he could be, you know, someone they even maybe trade up for in the second round, similar to what we saw with Breland Speaks in 2018, a guy that is a bigger dude that could be, you know, I think Speaks was kind of in that same vein of, a, of kind of a tweener. They didn't know exactly what he could be, but they just wanted his talent. Um, and I, I'm not putting that evil on Logan Hall. I'm not putting that evil on you, Ricky Bobby. Um, so uh, Talon, first round pick in the second, second round picks options. What do you got? Give me Josh Pascal. I'm I'm running to the stage with his name. That pair him with Epic from my other you know earlier draft. And right. yeah, man, I'm loving the Pascal pickup here. Brian, back to you at the top of the round. Who are you thinking? John Mechie. Uh, I haven't taken a wideout yet, so I'm gonna slide in at about eh, 62. Hopefully, maybe have to be sooner, but um, and get someone who, you know, no pressure right at the beginning of the year, but I think he eventually becomes a really, really good uh, wideout in this system. I like it. I like it. You know, I'm, I'm thinking Jalen Petrie here, the Baylor safety. You know, when I'm, 
I think they might miss out on the little bubble at the top of the second with maybe where Lewis Seen and Jaquan Brisker go. And that's the thing. I think Jalen Petrie could go closer to them uh, maybe than I'm giving him credit for. But I think at that 50 or 62 spot, it could be a good time if they really just want to add another kind of like Daxon Hill, where he's just kind of a guy that you can throw around the secondary, just going to make plays for you. Really athletic guy has experience blitzing a lot, you know, playing from the slot. Jalen Petrie, the Baylor safety. I'm going to go with him here. Talon, you're up. Uh, maybe a reach, but I'm going to go Marcus Jones from Houston. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I took, I took Daxon Hill, but I, you know, I really haven't, address the cornerback room. So I want to take Marcus Jones, who's a smaller profile guy, but the athletic profile is there and he just sleeps off the page on film. And uh, I think he could be a guy that takes over the slot cover duties once you move Hill back to the true safety spot. So Marcus Jones has a lot of value. And, and right. I think it's special team or two. Oh, there you go. Okay. I got it. Yeah. There were, I got you. Okay. Last round. I'm kind of looking at my board here, kind of stalling a little bit, uh, given maybe Brian some time too, although he probably has, a good answer ready to go, but last round, Brian, do you have a good name uh, in the second round to throw out? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I'm actually going to take, I, I didn't think I was going to do this, but another defensive lineman and it's Perry on Winfrey from Oklahoma. Um, yep. If he does make it into round two and, and they haven't, you know, taken a defensive tackle already, he's one I would really, really love at that point. Um, uh, just think, you know, he wasn't necessarily used the best at Oklahoma and and in Kansas City he could be and give them some options moving forward with what they want to do with Jones and um, who knows, maybe have both of them and just freaking absolutely wreak um, havoc from the in- interior of the defensive line. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's like, I think we had said it earlier, but he, I think he's good value when you get closer to the bottom of the second round as a guy that's just going to give you penetration. Looking through my board, looking through my board. There is one name that we haven't talked about a lot on the pod that I, I kind of want to go here. There's another name that you talked earlier, Brian. Uh, I'm tempted to go Kingsley Enigbara here, right? Because he does, he is someone that may be similar to Logan Hall. Um, although he played edge, Enigbara did. Um, a guy that maybe think can do a little bit of everything for him, you know, kind of go all around the defensive line. Oh boy. I'm going to go Cam Taylor Britt here, the Nebraska cornerback. That's who I'm thinking, um, the guy that we haven't really talked about a lot here on, on the podcast. I think last last show we we, we get we gave the cornerback some love. But he's a guy that had some safety cornerback versatility early in his Nebraska career. Um, just a, a really impressive blend of size and speed, in my opinion. You know, he, athletic, he did, had really good athletic testing, and he's pretty good size too. So I think he might be a guy the Chiefs feel like could they could throw at a corner, but also maybe – use him as safety a little bit, maybe a Jarius Sneed type, type of versatility. Um, and, and he's going to give you hard hitting. You know, he's, he's a really sure tackler. I'm um, just a guy who's going to fly around. So Cam Taylor Britt, maybe at that 62 spot, but maybe even the third round too. But I, I do think I could see how the Chiefs could uh, want to go with his services. And with the last pick in our little draft here, Talon, who are you rounding out your class with? So, yeah, I, I focus a lot on defense. To go back to the offense, and I'm going to take Brees Hall, the running back from Iowa State. I think this is a guy that offers a ton of value in the second round. Uh, if the Chiefs can take him, he, he's gonna he's gonna really round out that running back room, and he offers a little bit more as a pass uh, catcher than I than I initially gave him credit for. Um, but again, I don't think he's gonna be you know a, a, a true pass catcher at all. But he, he come in and probably be the best one the Chiefs have. 
Wow. Brees Hall. You know, I heard someone uh, give him the Antonio Gibson comparison recently, and I kind of like that one for him. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I, I do think I, I mentioned it and Beach mentioned that running back class in his press conference. So, you know, there could be a running back move a little earlier than we think, although he did specifically mention the fifth through seventh rounds, but you know, Veach throwing smoke screens. You never know. Uh, all right. Look at that. We're wrapping up the AP draft room here and I'll recap our little teams. We just drafted from last show and this show. So Brian, you went ahead and took Jane, Jermaine Johnson, Devontae Wyatt, Boye Mafe, Roger McCreary, John Mechie, and Perion Winfrey as your possible Chiefs targets. Talon, you went ahead and went Daxton Hill, Arnold E. Bacady, Jameson Williams, Joshua Pascal, Marcus Jones, and Brees Hall. And I went with George Karloftis, Jahan Dotson, David Ojabo, Logan Hall, Jalen Petrie, and Cam Taylor Britt. Is my options a lot of defense, a lot of defensive linemen, a lot of defensive backs. Um, you know, uh, looks like receivers as well. So, fellas, it's been fun, it's been good, it's been awesome. Um, and we'll see who which one we, we got to get one of them right. One of these has got to come true, I gotta imagine. So, we'll see about that. But, fellas, it's been great. Uh, listeners, I appreciate you listening this whole draft off season. It is not the last uh, AP draft room podcast, we'll have to react to. Uh, the uh, we'll have to react to the draft as well next week with you, and we'll be live live reacting during draft weekend. But, um, fellas, just real quick, uh, just I'll, I'll let you kind of say you know your final words before the draft. Just you know, uh, just what do you th- what are your la- final thoughts? I guess as as we wrap up and don't talk to the listeners until after the draft. Talent, uh, man, buckle up. It's it's going to be a wild ride. Brett Veach is a mad scientist, and I think he, with all this firepower he has, I think he is just salivating at the opportunities that will wait for him. And um, I, I I hope <laughs> I've gotten my hopes up about Chiefs drafts before and have been let down. So hopefully this isn't the case. I feel like this is this is different. There's a lot of picks to to go around, and I think he's going to utilize those to move around the board a lot. And I think the Chiefs are going to be one of the highest movers uh, that we see. I totally agree, Brian. Three days away. What are your thoughts? I'm going to leave the good people with my my perfect draft, and that is, okay, George Pickens, Arnold Ebiquete in the first round, and then a trade-up in the second round to get Kyler Gordon or, or Roger McCreary even, one of those corners that are, that are going to be gone soon before 50. And then after that, best player available. That's what I'm hoping for, praying that they can come through and, and hit on some of these picks. They need it, and uh, – and it'll give us a lot more fun things to write about come the fall. So thank you for listening and following us along. Hope you continue to do so. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Little, little quick, perfect draft. And I think, I think a lot of, I think you'll have a lot of chiefs kingdom agreeing with you that that'll be a good um, order right there. But no, they, they said it guys really appreciate everyone listening this whole off season. It's all coming to a head this week. We're going to be covering it wall to wall at arrowheadpride.com. Plenty of podcasts still to come out later this week. I think we're getting, you know, some of the old podcasts coming back just, you know, to get a one time before the draft, you know, get everyone's draft takes out there. Everyone's got to get some takes out there before the draft. Um, we've been hogging all the takes. we got to share the takes with, with the other uh, other AP writers here. But yeah, for Brian, for Talon, I'm Ron. Appreciate everyone listening again. We'll see you next Sunday. Make sure you're tuning into the site during draft weekend and just have fun. Enjoy it, guys. It'll be a fun, fun week. Interact with us on Twitter with your thoughts on the picks. Let us know what you're thinking. What, what happens this weekend make sure you give us a five-star review on the podcast network we appreciate that and yeah we will catch you next time appreciate you listening <laughs>